Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it is a Thursday. It's February 8th, 2024. Great to be with you every day here on the EWTN Radio Network. And today, because it's a Thursday, we have the amazing Father Mitch Bakwa on from EWTN for our Catholic Cultural Connections today. He does that every Thursday with us. Thanks be to God. And interestingly enough, Father Mitch called me earlier this week and said, I really feel a call. It's on my heart. He wants to talk about the immigration issue. And he's especially concerned about all the crime. For example, we see these horrible situations developing around the country, especially in cities such as New York and the incident with the New York City police officers that happened late last month. And so we were talking uh, quite a long time about, okay, how do we approach this topic? Because we know what the church teaches us, that we have to welcome the stranger. And obviously this is a big part of applying the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. But I don't know if a lot of people are aware of what the catechism of the Catholic Church actually says about this issue in particular, about yes, we are to welcome the stranger, but that the country that's welcoming the stranger has a right to protect itself. And has a right to expect those people coming into the country for asylum, seeking help, uh, if they're abandoned, if they're homeless, they need to be able to protect the laws and act upright in an upright manner. So we're going to talk about this with Father Mitch and his concerns and how are we to respond as Catholics and some thoughts he has on the issue. And I think it's super important because obviously we care about the people who feel that they have no uh, recourse and that they are living in horrible conditions. But then there are also so many stories that when you allow the situation to go unchecked and so many people to cross the borders, what's happening in terms of who's coming in? What type of groups are coming in? There's more reports about people starting up these gangs, people who cross over the border and they enter into a life of crime. And so there's a lot of questions that we have to look at, but always looking at it, obviously, through the teachings of church and sacred scripture. So Father Mitch Pacwa, no better person to do that, of course, a scripture scholar, noted author, and EWTN host. He also has a new book out. We'll have a chance to mention the book, but we're going to concentrate more on the book later. With all the stories breaking in the news right now regarding this situation, he definitely wanted to talk about it. So we're going to give him the opportunity to pick his very fine brain about this very important issue. Also coming up, another important issue, obviously, because we're your pro-life network. Did you hear about this study? We mentioned it in the news. But I'm really grateful that my producer, Andrew, was able to get Bradley Mattis. It was an amazing pro-life warrior, president of the Life Issues Institute, on with us today to talk about this study a very disturbing, quote-unquote, study. The lead author was a person from Planned Parenthood, actually a doctor who is the director, the medical director of Planned Parenthood in Montana. So right away, the red flag should go up for the media. Secondly, secondly, and I would say, well, not secondly, probably just as important, the numbers. The study is claiming that nearly 65,000 women conceived through rape since... Dobbs, that since the uh, Dobbs situation, since Roe v. Wade was overturned two years ago. So they're saying that rapes are through the roof, and so are women conceiving through rape. And yet, if the rape numbers are so high, where is the concern? And Father Mitch and I talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, I believe. Where is the concern for this increase in sexual assault cases? Why aren't we concentrating on getting to the bottom, if this is true, of these horrible sexual assaults, why are we going after the innocent babies and causing more trauma to the women who are already traumatized from the crime of sexual assault and pushing abortion on them? And this always brings up the question, and my colleague at Ave Maria Radio, Vanessa Denhagarmo, and I mentioned you have to consider the source. So maybe I'll dive into that a little bit more deeply in terms of sourcing on stories, because we have a lead story in the news this morning, which is a great report that's out in Catholic News Agency, regarding what the um, American College of Pediatricians has discovered after studying more than 60 reports related to the mental health of adolescents regarding gender dysphoria. So what's the difference between their review and this study from Planned Parenthood? We don't have time to break that down today, but we'll look at that in terms of Fact Check Friday tomorrow and how important sourcing is. It's one of the first things you learn in J school, journalism school. Consider the source. 
So that is our program for today on a Thursday. Weather-wise, let's take a look and see what the storms are doing across the country. We still have a storm moving through the northern plains and heavy mountain snow in the southwest. The National Weather Service reporting low pressure crossing the northern plains will continue with snow and gusty winds through the northern Rockies today and rain with the risk for severe thunderstorms in the Great Lakes. Several upper-level disturbances continuing with periods of heavy snow across the mountains of Southern California into the southwest and southern Rockies today, but also into the weekend. So some of the issues uh, out there in that part of the country are going to continue for a few days. Right now, five minutes past the hour. We might break a little bit early from the news to give more time to Father Mitch Pacwa. Thanks for tuning in. Let's see what's happening in and around our world today. Well, based on a review of more than 60 studies related to the mental health of adolescents, Catholic News Agency is reporting this morning, and you can find this story at catholicnewsagency.com, that the American College of Pediatricians concluding that social transition puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones have no long-term benefit on psychological well-being of adolescents with gender dysphoria. The president of the organization saying the group reviewed reference research points to what many who practice medicine intuitively understand that young patients experiencing gender dysphoria deserve help in accepting and loving themselves as they are and not interventions that destroy their healthy bodies and put them on the track of being able to receive medications or so-called medications for life. The principal authors of the research review expressed grave concerns that parents along with healthcare and educational professionals who support the transgender transition of children and adolescents are in fact contributing to increased depression by appearing to validate to the children that something is wrong with their body and their biological sex. In other news this morning, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in the Middle East working to strike a deal to free the remaining hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. We have been intensely focused from day one on getting the hostages, all the hostages, back with their families where they belong. Following a meeting in Tel Aviv with Israel's Prime Minister, Blinken saying Hamas's response to a proposal to pause the fighting with Israel opens room for a hostage deal. He added, however, there are clear non-starters in the militant group's response, but negotiations will continue. And this after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected Hamas's response to the proposal, calling it delusional and vowing to continue military operations in the Gaza Strip. More than 100 hostages are still being held by the group following the October 7th attack on Israel. Israeli official Amir Ohana saying he did not like Hamas's call for conditions. There should be no condition to releasing them. Of course, the conditions that uh, Hamas <coughs> posed are ridiculous. The plan, a response to a proposal put together by Qatar and Egyptian mediators, would see three phases lasting 45 days each. It calls the remaining Israeli hostages captured in the October 7th attacks on Israel to be returned in exchange for prisoners. And Mark Mayfield tells us a leader of an Iranian-backed militia group that has carried out attacks on American soldiers in the Middle East is dead. A commander of Kataeb Hezbollah was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad Wednesday. The strike was part of the U.S. response to an attack on American forces in Jordan that killed three service members and injured dozens more. U.S. officials say the commander was directly involved in planning and participating in attacks on U.S. forces. This comes as Iranian-backed groups have increased attacks on U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq and Syria since the start of the Israel-Hamas war in October. ...a grilling on Capitol Hill over his secretive hospitalization. He is set to testify before the House Armed Services Committee, and that'll come up on February 29th. He has faced sharp criticism as his unannounced hospitalization last month was not disclosed to President Biden or other senior administration officials for several days, prompting some to call for his resignation. Paul DeCastro tells us two men remain at large following last month's Times Square attack on two New York Police Department officers. Manhattan prosecutors are asking the public for help finding two additional suspects wanted in connection for the January 27th assault outside a migrant shelter. Police have released surveillance photos of two more alleged male suspects. Meanwhile, it turns out the four men taken into custody by ICE in Arizona are not linked to the attack after all. So far, six suspects have been charged, but only one is in custody. 
The Supreme Court today hearing a case that could dramatically impact the presidential election this year. The high court considering whether former President Donald Trump is ineligible for a second term in office. Justices will hear arguments on the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling disqualifying Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. The justices, all appointed by Democratic governors, agreed the former president took part in what they called an insurrection during the 2021 Capitol riot. Michael Kastner tells us a man under arrest for his alleged involvement in a plan to steal nuclear missile secrets for China. The Justice Department announced that Chen Guanggong stole files while working at a California company that develops tech to detect and track nuclear missiles for the U.S. government. He's accused of similar activities when he later went to work for a competitor. The DOJ says there's evidence Gong applied to a Chinese program that seeks out those who could boost the country's economy and military. Gong is charged with theft of trade secrets and faces up to 10 years in prison. And finally, in our new segment, we'll break a little early to allow more time for Father Mitch and a very important discussion. Another wave of stormy weather, as you heard earlier, from the National Weather Service taking aim on the West Coast of California after days of historic rains that caused mudslides, power outages, and at least nine deaths. This storm expected to move from north to south today, triggering more flood watches around Orange County and San Diego, while winter weather advisories are in place for the mountain areas. And some of the highest peaks could see five to nine inches of snow, while over half an inch of rain could fall south of Los Angeles. It is a Thursday. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN radio network, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Those two networks co-produce this program and many others here at EWTN. Father Mitch Pacwa, up next. Stay tuned. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic healthcare ministry providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their healthcare choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at mycatholichealthcare.com. That's mycatholichealthcare.com. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. You remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Thanks so much for tuning in to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EW Chan. And thanks so much to the amazing Father Mitch Pacwa, who is uh, really going to tackle or attempt to tackle, and I'm sure this won't be our only conversation given the news stories that continue to break on this issue, talking about the issue of immigration from a truly, as we do here at EW Chan and Ave Maria, Catholic perspective. Father, before we get into the topic, I do want to congratulate you. You have a new book that's out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a uh, commentary on the prophet Isaiah that came out. And um, since, you know, at different times of the uh, church year, uh, Isaiah is one of the most used books for our reading, especially in daily mass, also in the Sunday liturgies uh, cycles. Um, And it's, uh, but a lot of folks don't have context. I try to put it in its context so you can understand what Isaiah is saying. 
but see it in its historical context. And then, you know, the, my basic approach to using the Bible, understand what they were saying in their culture and time, and then you can find the basic same humanity we still have and make a lot of applications to our own time. That's mm. a very important part of it. So, but we'll talk about that some other time. Yes, in more detail, perhaps. Yeah, I'd like to really dive into that. Uh, it's just that you're, you're so knowledgeable in Scripture, and you give us such great insight. Even your show last night with my Michigan friend Gary Mashuda was great. I, I saw part of it, so thank you for that. Oh, All right, yeah, so he, this, he yeah, he's his fabulous. Book also, yes, is, is superb. Yes, yes. So the Catholic Church um, always balanced in terms of how we address issues. And I don't think a lot of us understand what the Church says fully about the immigration issue. A lot of people understand the fact that as Catholics, we always are called to, as Christians, we're always called to, to be there for the poor. We have the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We welcome the stranger. But there's a part of the catechism, and this is from 2241, and the bishops mentioned this in, in a letter that they released not too long ago, Strangers No Longer Together on the Journey of Hope, that we have a right also to expect certain things from people we're welcoming across our border. So what does the Catholic Church teach first and foremost on this issue, Father? Well, yeah, I, I, let's put it in a more general context. What you are always dealing with is the tension that exists between what is just and what is merciful and charitable. You look to show charitable love, a love that expects nothing in return. You also look to show mercy to those who are in need, and you also require justice, which means giving everybody what is due to them. That's the basic tension we deal with. And the Catechism deals with that in regard to immigration. So it points out, as you mentioned, 2241, that the more prosperous nations are obliged to the extent that they are able to welcome the forder in search of security and a means of livelihood they cannot find in their country of origin. And that it is uh, a natural right that is respected that places a guest under the protection of those who receive them. That's, you know, so when we invite people who are homeless without food or are being uh, attacked by their own governments, uh, you know, a lot of uh, governments are attacking people because of their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all religions that are attacked by the Chinese government, uh, Catholics in some places, Protestants, and so on. So, you know, protecting them is, is good. But it's also key to welcome them. Uh, uh, it, there's an obligation to the extent they are able. That's the other side of it. That's where there is an issue of justice. Uh, to the receiving country. And you know the other part of it in 2432, those responsible for business and uh, well that's sorry that uh, let me skip down um, that you know we have this obligation uh, and that's a good thing. Here's the problem and this is something I had said on TV and privately um, when, they wanted to let more immigrants into the country. The question was sometimes asked, but rarely, and never answered. How many immigrants can we sustain? Mm-hmm. You know, especially given some of the economic crises that we've been going through. You know, we had problems with COVID, then we had issues uh, with inflation, we still have some of these economic issues of inflation. People are, I mean, in some places, old-time staples like bacon are $14 a pound. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Uh, so we, we, you have to keep in mind how many people can be sustained, and as we see going on all over this country, in, uh, in our cities, 
but especially along the border. Where are you going to house these people? You let them in and then leave them out in the cold? Or you displace other poor people who were born here? Uh, that That's a, a story coming out of Boston and some of the other uh, northern cities where you have to make people or keep people warm. You can't let them freeze to death after you let them in the country. But then you close down schools in poor areas and, and public centers that help the poor. And yeah, is that, what kind of planning is this? And how are you, you know, managing and being a good steward to help whom you can and at the same time uh, not, you know, harm the poor who are already here. And also not That's harm the country, issue. because the catechism goes on to say the second duty is to secure one's border and enforce the law for the sake of the common good. That political authorities, for the sake of the common good, can exercise the right to immigrants that they have to, they have to live up to certain conditions in the courts, especially with regard to the immigrants' duties toward the country of adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect with gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them, to obey its laws and to assist in carrying out civic burdens. Now, this is this is not us speaking. This is the, the catechism. And it's not only the catechism speaking. Yeah. This is good sense, right? Common sense. That you right. uh, and what we're seeing, uh, and this is where the the, the problem is. Not only is there a, a, a very um, poor quality of uh, guidance in regard to, um, you know, how many people we can have here. We're seeing that a number of the folks who are coming here, serious numbers, are parts of international gangs, mm-hmm. and they are wreaking havoc on people, again, usually vulnerable people. They're, um, they're they're going on motorcycles in New York City. There's a gang of folks on motorcycles who are snatching purses and phones as they pass by. There's a video of this one poor woman holding onto her purse yeah, saw and mm-hmm. being dragged yeah. across the sidewalk until she hits a, a, a post, I think for bicycles or something. Um, you know, I, the, the other crimes, the violent crimes, and then here's the other this is where responsibility has to come in place there are 85,000 children brought in uh during the present uh presidential administration and they've lost contact they don't know where they are mm-hmm. you bring in these unaccompanied minors and they are lost and they were arguing a few years ago that there were kids kept in what looked like cages. And, you know, that had been set up under President Obama's Obama, time right. and continued mm-hmm. into Trump's time. Mm-hmm. And so they put a stop to that. Uh, good. But losing control, that was 400 kids. Now you've lost oversight of 85,000 where are they, especially at this time where the absolutely grave injustice of human trafficking. Trafficking, I was just going to say that. Trafficking yeah. mm-hmm. for labor, somewhat, but mostly for sexual purposes, where youngsters are drugged and sold all over the country. Uh, Super Bowl that's coming up in uh, Las Vegas. Sunday. Huge yeah. attraction mm-hmm. for sex mm-hmm. trafficking. Yep. Every single major sports uh, 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 event, whether it's NASCAR, football, anything, all of those big events attract human traffickers. And I would want to say this, any person, man or woman, who engages in sex, with, you know, goes to a prostitute, but it's one, and it's one of these kids, besides the mortal sin of prostitution, 
you are committing one of the gravest crimes that cries out to heaven Mm -hmm. where you are molesting a child. We saw the horror of this with the clergy abuse, but this is now tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in this country alone of kids who are being molested on every day. And this cries out to God as well. And yeah. everybody who engages in that better realize. You but are these are some of the issues God, that are not, not discussed, me. and that's why it's so important we're talking about it today. And the catechism is clear. The church is all about balance. It shouldn't be an all-or-nothing situation, which is what it appears to be in several areas of our country. So we'll talk more with Father Mitch Pacwa on this important issue, a truly Catholic perspective. Check out the catechism, starting with 2241. We'll be right back. This is a huge issue, and it's so, so important for us as Catholics, as we always are concerned about the poor and the strangers, and the catechism is clear on that. And as I mentioned, and as Father Mitch Pacwa, our guest every Thursday for Cultural Connections, also mentioned, see what the Church says, because the Church is always about balance and truth. All the teachings come from our Lord, and they make sense because it truly represents the fullness of the person, the dignity of the human person male and female, made in the image and likeness of God. So, Father, here's the thing, and, and all of us, unless we are um, you know, Native American, uh, we are immigrants, come from immigrant background. My grandparents on both sides of the family immigrated from Italy. They right. were super poor. They had nothing. My grandfather on my mother's side came over when he was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old by himself, and we went to his hometown, and it took us... Just to give you an example, I'm sure many people have similar stories, whether their family immigrated from Poland or, or Ireland or, or wherever. But we found this town. It was a tiny, tiny, very poor town in southern Italy in the Campania region, up in the hills. And he had to make his way up to Naples. Just that is a journey. And we did it in a car, and it took us almost two hours. And think yeah, yeah. about a young boy getting on a ship, not knowing anyone, not being able to speak English, and then getting off at Ellis Isle, being processed. So we, we all have that immigrant connection. Again, unless, of course, we, we have uh, Native American blood in us. But the, the situation is, is so drastic now because even though we had so many immigrants coming in, of course, the turn of the century, the late 18, early 1900s, it seems as if it's just there's no rules anymore. It's, there's okay. so many well, coming in, we can't handle it. Yeah. So where's the balance there? Okay, here's the balance. You know, uh, again, I know that a lot of Catholics are working directly with trying to bring aid, clothes, mm-hmm. food, thing, and, and shelter for folks at the border. And, but now it's spread everywhere. And the, the place, there's not enough people to do this, and oftentimes not enough um, uh, resources. And we have to be uh, alert to what can we do in our parishes to help folks, um, you know, and, and that's that's one thing on, on an immediate level. You know, are there folks that we can help shelter? But at the same time, we also have a responsibility to call the uh, federal government that has responsibility to protect the border. That's not a state responsibility primarily, uh, only secondarily does the Constitution allow that uh, it, when, when the uh, federal government can't. The federal government has to do that, and we see this infighting and bickering going on as people jockey for political issues, and we say, solve the problem. And the problem includes protecting us from the large number of Chinese There are over 30,000 Chinese men, just men, who have come here. That's three military divisions. These are, are they being oppressed? We don't know. But we know that they find uh, uh, maps on TikTok in Chinese on how to get to a hole that was cut into the uh, fence in the southern border. And they, they know how to find, and they say that. They tell people that they found on TikTok, there's a map. And they find this one little hole that was cut. Who cut it? Why? And who's not fixing it? Uh, the second issue, we have to keep a, a security issue about the amount of human trafficking, 
major uh, issue. The security issue of the illegal drugs, especially fentanyl, that is killing 100,000 of our young people. If any enemies sent bombs to do that, we'd be at war. Here we're letting the cartels in Mexico send Chinese drugs to kill our young people. And uh, 100,000 over the last three years because of this. We have to call the government to be responsible in stopping this, and they're not. Well, what's interesting is that this is an issue, a huge issue in the election. We're in a presidential election year, and if you look at the surveys and the polling, this is not just something that that one side or the other is concerned about. Now we see people on both sides of the political aisles who are at odds. You know, there's a huge, uh, you know, wide space there on most other issues when it comes to immigration. Both sides are now expressing concern, a lot of concern. And and the thing is, yeah, finally, Finally. but it seems to me... we have 10 million people who come over illegally and... 300,000 deaths from fentanyl and Mm -hmm. 85,000 children unaccounted for. And all this is going on. And this is where everybody has to say, what can we do? Right. What is our response? That's that's my next question. We have about, I can't believe we only have about three minutes left. What is the proper Catholic response? Obviously go to the catechism. It's pretty clear, but, but what can we do? Again, it's seeking both of those issues, justice and charity. What can we do at more local levels to help the folks that are willing and able to get jobs to do so? Secondly, what do we do at the local level to help get rid of the, the foolish uh, DAs that don't prosecute, allow the police to actually enforce the laws against those immigrants and Native Americans, I don't mean Indian, but, you know, people who are citizens, to obey the law and not snatch purses, beat people up, kill them, rape them, etc. The law has to be enforced at the local level. Thirdly, we also have to get uh, on the uh, national level uh, strong pressure for these folks to stop posturing for politics and protect the people who are coming in here that need to be the ones who have already come here. What are we going to do about this mess that you've created, homelessness and everything? And then thirdly, to uh, put a, um, a stop to this wide open border. It, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, pressure has to be put on the political level to have justice done but also on the local level to seek what can we do with the folks who are in these shelters? Are there some individuals that a parish can take on Mm -hmm. and help? Uh, You're going to have to break it down to small units. Looking at the overall picture, I think, is a mess because there are too many fools in the government posturing for political power to actually solve the problem on a big scale. Look what you can do charitably at a local level for a few individuals. And then, again, on the local level, make sure the laws are enforced against those who are breaking them in these horrible ways that are extremely dangerous most especially to the poor and lower class. Right, exactly. And, and this is, it seems like we're, we're just not, we're not helping ourselves any, any in all these really good groups, Catholic and otherwise, who are trying to make a difference, they become overwhelmed because it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. You, you, you solve one issue and then another issue pops up and we've got to do this and we've got to do that. And they can only do so much. So that's why I think, and, and that reminds me of subsidiarity in terms of starting at, at, at the very local level. So that's a, that's a yeah. great point. So, Father, yeah. are you going to be discussing this on your show anytime soon? Yeah, yeah we, you know, we will, uh, I don't have any guests um, coming up uh, uh, soon. Um, it's going to be one of those things where we have to, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think we have to tackle that and yeah. just take that on one of the shows. No, I think, I think it's um, a very important topic, and thank you for the perspective from the church and your wisdom and applying it that we are of course caring for the stranger but also making sure we're doing it wisely and in a balanced manner we'll be right back
Truly a fantastic pro-life resource, Life Issues Institute. You often hear their reports right here at EW10. The president is on the phone with us, Bradley Mattis. And boy, I'll tell you what, Bradley, when I saw this study as someone who is a, a journalist and has been in the business for eons, the you know, first thing you learn in, in uh, journalism school is consider the source and follow the money. Those two things are huge when you're studying the basics of journalism. And the minute I saw these numbers, I mean, I'm not a mathematician. My husband is an engineer, so he did some figuring, and he said that statistically it just it just can't be. And yet the media went with this story and ran with it like crazy, claiming that we have had nearly 65,000 rape pregnancies in pro-life states since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So let's talk about this in terms of breaking it down for people and why we we shouldn't trust it. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all the great pro-life work you do. Certainly, and I just want to add to that that the other side is constantly giving us information to use against them. This is certainly one of those cases. Mm. Mm. Very good point. So the first problem is the source. We have, as you mentioned in your press release, that the chief author, the lead author, is Samuel Dickman, who happens to be the medical director of Planned Parenthood of Montana. Which means he's probably the abortionist for that, uh, that outlet or those outlets. He probably travels around the state doing abortions. So you have a key, the lead author who's writing this, garbage, I guess is is the best way to put it, who is an abortionist for Planned Parenthood. As you said in the statement, this is trusting this study would be like trusting the studies that the cigarette companies paid for, which claimed that smoking cigarettes was good for you. Yes, yes, and that's the case here. Um, I don't know if any money was exchanged, but I'll tell you what, it is worth millions to their cause, because as you you may be aware that... uh, the uh, media just snapped this up oh, yeah, and absolutely. repeated mm-hmm. it, regurgitated it as if it was true, mm-hmm. ignoring the realities that, as your husband said, that is an impossibility. Well, let's talk about their so-called methodology that was used to arrive at the 64,000-plus rape pregnancies number. Let's kind of break that down for people. Okay. Well, they, they claim that over 65,000 or 64,500 rapes resulted, rape pregnancies resulted as a result of 520,000 rapes, which would put that at 12.5% of rapes resulting in pregnancy. Now, the numbers that the FBI have reported, uh, you know, it's 10 times higher because it should be closer to 5%, which is a number that is, uh, well-established, well-documented, and out of the blue, here comes this 12.5 number. You know, if you're going to rely, lie big, and that's exactly what they've done. But it seems kind of, on one end, it's just very serious, but, but it's silly because I guess they think they can get away with this because the media just, just you know, swallowed this up and ran with it like crazy, as you mentioned. Basically, as, as, as you point out, it means that the problem of rape is 10 times higher than the number reported by the federal government. So then the next follow-up should be, okay, if this is a case, then why aren't we, as a reporter, I would say, well, wait a minute, why all these rapes? What's going on? What's happening with women? Who's committing all these rapes? They, they're ignoring that whole piece of the puzzle is, if this is actually true. And they insinuate that the rapes and pregnancies are happening only in states that protect their unborn babies. And how they made that uh, leap you know, defies reason. So what's been the response in terms of uh, others speaking out against this? Have, have you had a chance to, to go on secular media or get the truth out on, on outlets other than uh, ones like ours that are pro-life? Well, as predicted, uh, secular outlets are ignoring our press release. Uh, they're ignoring any effort to set the record straight. But, you know, we've had, uh, I've been in this movement for decades and and that is always the method of operation for the, the biased secular media is they don't want the truth to come out. And they're just, they're just trumpeting this so-called uh, survey, uh, <laughs> you know, to the sky. And, of course, time will show that it is um, false information, but uh, they just move on as if uh, nothing was said. They will not uh, print a retraction or a correction. But, you know, what worries me is the fact that the uh, 
Journal of the American Medical Association, mm-hmm. JAMA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is such a highly regarded publication. Right. That's the problem. And yep. for, for them to take on this yellow journalism and push it as fact seriously uh, damages their brand and their name, their reputation. Well, didn't they just do this even more recently with the, they took out studies that, that proved there were problems with the abortion drugs, and now they're removing those reports as well. You're right. <laughs> Excuse I'm glad me. you brought that up because mm-hmm. they removed three sound uh, peer review studies that shows that uh, the chemical abortion pills are against women and inflict damage upon them. And, of course, it, you know, we're seeing politics at its worst. And in an area where we need uh, politics to be totally removed from this so that women can receive the proper information if they're considering an abortion. But this is playing politics because they think by removing these, they can erase the information that we have when the Supreme Court takes on the uh, FDA and how they handled uh, the chemical abortion uh, approval, which we could spend a whole hour discussing that right. alone. Right. We're talking with Bradley Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute, about uh, some recent efforts by the Journal of the American Medical Association to deny the truth and the reality of abortion. And most recently talking, as he just mentioned, those cases uh, where they're removing studies from their publication regarding the damage from the abortion medications or pills, I should say. I don't want to call them medications because they're not. You're not medicating. You're, you're, you're killing an innocent child and hurting the women. But also the study that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. So they pull out the truth, Bradley, and then they put in this nonsense. I mean, it's just like they take out the truth about, about the abortion drugs and they put in this nonsense and stand by it, that 65,000 rape pregnancies have happened since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And it shows just how desperate they've gotten to defend the killing of innocent human babies. They know that in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is wrong. Women in their heart of hearts know that aborting their own baby is wrong. So do the fathers. That's why many of them are coming to us for counseling afterwards. Um, it is just... Uh, an act of desperation. Unfortunately, it may be effective. Well, see, that's the thing, and, and this is this is my concern as a media person. I just did an interview yesterday with a wonderful uh, pro-life outlet, the Pro-Life uh, Federation of Pennsylvania, because I'm speaking at their fundraiser at the end of the month. I'm excited about it uh, in Philadelphia. And they asked me, what do we need to do? And I said, we need to really have a consistent messaging, because the left is very good with all their money from Planned Parenthood and other pro-abort you know, industries and organizations. They are consistent with their message and these sayings, reproductive health, a woman's right to choose. And we're seeing that with the abortion tour of Kamala Harris, a vice president. And they repeat the same thing over and over again. And they lie. We don't lie because obviously most of us involved in this are Christian and have, and have ethics here. But we don't lie. But we do have the truth and we do have powerful stories of many people that you just mentioned who have come to understand that abortion is not the answer. So my personal thing is, and my, my answer to the question yesterday is, what do we do? I think as a pro-life movement, we have to be consistent with putting the messages out there and come up with a couple of really good, strong messages about the dangers of the abortion drugs, about you know, post-abortive and what ha- post-abortion syndrome and what happened, and use these powerful stories to get them out there. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Because the media are still running with this as truth. You're right, and we have done that to a degree. Um, we produced uh, an exceptional video called A Closer Look at, Ke- at the Chemical Abortion Pill mm-hmm. on our website at lifeissues.org. And I interviewed two women who were victimized by this death drug, and the stories they have uh, are, just, are just a tragedy, what they were put to, the lies that they were told. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these pills are not good for women. And in, in, in 2015, Obama and the FDA decided to hide the ramifications, the side effects of this drug. And the only way an abortionist has to report anything is if the, the woman dies. Mm-hmm. So she's in the hospital in intensive care for 10 days, um, and they have to do a his, total hysterectomy to save her life. They're not interested. The FDA is not interested in what this drug can do to women. But if she dies, then it has to be reported. Again, they call this reproductive health. And this is what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Abortion is not health. It's the intentional, violent, brutal killing of an unborn child, and oftentimes leaving the parents with incredible psychological baggage that they are dragging through day to day. And it is the pro-lifers who are meeting them, offering grace and hope and healing through the blood of the cross. Yeah. Uh, my concern is the same as yours, though, because of the power of the media, and they play on people's emotions. And I believe that's why they were able to get so many of these amendments passed in Michigan and Ohio and elsewhere, where they, they play the fear factor. Remember Nancy Pelosi was saying women were going to die on the streets if they didn't have access you know, to abortion through nine months of pregnancy and fantasy and everything else under the sun, when just the opposite is true. How many women, as you just described, and families are suffering, not only emotionally, but physically, because of abortion, and those stories don't get out there. So what else can we do as concerned pro-lifers to counter this? I think most importantly, we have to know somewhat about what's being marketed out there and be able to respond to it. Yes, you're right, and and education is key to that. And one of the points that you mentioned was that they are lying to women, frightening them, telling them that they will not be able to receive uh, immediate medical support right. if they're suffering mm-hmm. an ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage or anything like that. That's not true. And what we've done on our website at lifeissues.org, we have a link to the laws pertaining to these circumstances in every single state. And every state provides immediate help for women, medical help, if they are uh, experiencing um, uh, a pregnancy, a miscarriage, or an ectopic pregnancy or something that needs medical attention. Yeah, they just they make it up. They just lie. It. They make it up. They just they yeah. just lie. Yeah. yeah. And and see, Cecile Richards, who uh, just re- recently admitted that she, or reported that she has uh, terminal brain cancer, you would think that God is giving her a window of opportunity to repent and be saved. But no, what she is saying is the Democrat Party has to keep repeating this lie that women will die because they will not receive the medical attention they need. Wow. Wow. So this is an election year, a big one. Uh, what else can we do to really encourage people to vote pro-life and not to be victimized by the lies of these so-called medical experts from JAMA or from Planned Parenthood and then the parroting that is done in the media? What can we do as pro-lifers, Bradley, before we let you go? Well, one thing we can do is share with the population where uh, each party stands on abortion. We can't support or oppose a party if we are a church or a 501c3 organization. Right. But we can educate them by putting up the planks of each party on, on the platform of abortion so that they can read those and decide for themselves which party they think um, best promotes the will of God regarding innocent human life. Yeah. I just think what you do is so important, the way you educate and the great reports you put out there and and these stories tell the stories, right? In terms of uh, the issues and how, and and if you're victimized, for example, look at Abby Johnson's story in in her book, Unplanned, Mm -hmm. how honest she was about her experience, not only with abortion, but she actually took the, the abortion drugs and described what happened to her physically and emotionally. Bradley, give us your website again. Thank you. Sure. It's lifeissues.org, lifeissues.org. And I would encourage people to subscribe to my weekly blog called The Latest, where we often put information in there that you won't hear anywhere else. Amen. Thank you for what you do. Super, super well-informed if you follow your work and, and really appreciate everything. So important. We've been discussing this issue of life and, of course, the lies from the pro-abortion industry and unfortunately, many in the medical community, Bradley Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. It is a Thursday morning. We'll be right back on your pro-life radio and TV network, EWTN. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. 
Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. The following program is brought to you in part by MyCatholicWill.com. Surveys show that more than half of Americans do not have a will. At MyCatholicWill.com, it takes as little as 15 minutes to write your will and secure a legacy of faith. MyCatholicWill.com is the exclusive online destination for creating a Catholic will. The process of writing a will is simple and now more accessible than ever. MyCatholicWill.com, a legacy of faith for those you love. Fifty-five minutes past the hour. It is a Thursday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN, this program. If you're a new listener, welcome on board. It's co-produced by EWTN, EWTN.com, and Ave Maria Radio, AveMariaRadio.net. Coming up tomorrow, always a delight and so informative to check in with our Chief Operating Officer and President, Doug Keck, who will give us the inside word on what to expect coming up. And we know there'll be an awful lot on World Marriage Day and also, of course, National Marriage Week, which began yesterday and all kinds of other great programming. And then we're also going to take a look in Fact Check Friday, breaking down how do we know or trust sources? What do we look for when studies like the one we were just talking about come out? Talk to you tomorrow. Adamani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.